Marshall slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Watt looks up, taps it back, Dodonov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Watt sets up Dodonov, Knights 5, Blackhawks 4! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LBSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Rolling along, hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman with you here today. This fine Wednesday hump day as we get closer and closer to the weekend. More hockey on the docket. Over the next couple of weeks, we've got some phenomenal matchups in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Right now, the New York Rangers up 1-0 on the Carolina Hurricanes at the end of the first period. Later tonight, the Battle of Alberta, Edmonton, and Calgary. That'll go at 6.30 p.m. And then tomorrow, it'll be game number two between Tampa and Florida and St. Louis and Colorado. So I want to get to a little bit of playoff overreactions here from the Tampa-Florida-St. Louis-Colorado series. And then I want to dig into the Boston Bruins, the Nashville Predators, and the Washington Capitals. We did postmortems on the other teams that were eliminated from the playoffs yesterday. It was just so much fun that I wanted to dig a little bit deeper on the three other teams we have yet to discuss that were eliminated from the playoffs last week. So, Chapman, let's get into playoff overreactions. The the Lightning absolutely rolled the Panthers. Like, it was a workmanlike performance. Florida was fine in the first period. They were up one nothing. Everything seemed to be going well. But from the second period on, it was all Tampa. There was no energy with the Florida Panthers. No offensive creativity whatsoever. No odd man rushes. They did not show up. So I guess the big question is, um, are the Florida Panthers broken? No, they're just not as good as what they did in the regular season. Um, Why? Well, for for starters, it, it, things tighten up in the playoffs, right? We always hear good goalies and, you know, things tighten up. You're not going to have as many opportunities to score in the playoffs mm-hmm. as, you, as you did in the regular season. So what they did in the regular season is fine for the regular season. I don't know if it's going to translate, and I don't think it's going to translate to winning this series. Look, I, I think I picked them to win the series. They're not winning this series. They're 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 really? not. They're not going to be. You know why? Because you can sleepwalk and maybe get lucky and win a game seven against the Washington Capitals, who were missing mm-hmm. Tom Wilson, who clearly had some banged up guys, who don't have Andre Vasilevsky in goal. You're not going to be able to do that against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Tampa Bay Lightning are a team that is primed to win games in the playoffs. They've done it the last two seasons. I think Florida is in big, big trouble because they looked a lot like they did against Washington, and the only reason they got through that series is because they're better than Washington. I don't know if they're better than Tampa. They were, you know, Tampa. Tampa's a team that they've proven they don't need to be the number one seed to win the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup. I just think John Cooper is going to outcoach Andrew Burnett. Mm-hmm. Andre Vasilevsky is a much better goal than what they faced in the last series. And and 
look, I know Braden Point, we don't know the status, but I, I, I still think Tampa will find a way. I, I Here's my overreaction. Mm-hmm. Florida will not win two games in this series. Okay. Um, did you have this on your bingo card? 0 for 18 on the power play for the Florida Panthers? No, no, I did not. They have yet to score a power play goal in the playoffs. How How is that possible through eight games they've yet to score a power play goal? I I don't know. I, I really don't. I Like, if you're looking at why do the Florida Panthers look different, it, it's number one, their power play absolutely sucking the life out of them. Like, that. that's what it is. Like, this team cannot buy a power play goal right now, and I don't know why that's the case, especially when you consider they played six games against the Washington Capitals, right? Like, not a noted pen- penalty-killing uh, juggernaut in the Washington Capitals, and yet the Florida Panthers went 0-for in that series. They're 0-for-3 last night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, There's just not really much offensively going right for Florida, and I think that was always going to be the biggest question. This team does not play strong defense. They just don't. They move up the ice, they skate, they pressure, but they just don't play shutdown defense. And it, it was never more evident in the way that Tampa Bay was able to get back in that game. They just had their way with the Florida Panthers through the neutral zone and in the offensive zone. So to me, I feel like you got to hit a reset. You've got to find a way to bring a little bit more offensive energy into the game. But the fact of the matter is the building was, was, was dead. Like there was no energy. No, it's a playoff game against your biggest rivals and Florida. It might as well have been a game in mid November Chapman. Like well, it, there was nothing in the building. D- does that kind of speak volumes to the fact that maybe there shouldn't be a franchise there? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, like, look, I'm look, not going to get into I, that. No, debate, no, no, no. Chapman. I mean, I mean look, it, it, for years they have been poorly supported. Mm-hmm. And now that they have a team that won the President's Trophy, they can't get an atmosphere in a game one of the second round. It's the first time they've won a playoff series since how long? You know, yeah. we, we joke about the Leafs. How long has it been since Florida's won a first round playoff series? So, 96. yeah. So we're, 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 we're talking 26 years since that team has mm-hmm. won. They, now, they, admittedly, there have been less opportunities for the Florida Panthers you know, than I, there have been I, for I, the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I, I understand that. But, I mean, look, there, there there's an adage about South Florida. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's if it's the NBA, if it's the NFL, if it's Major League Baseball. It's not Miami in that area mm-hmm. is not a great sports town. It's just not. They they very rarely embrace their teams when they're good. Look, it's a great mm-hmm. place to visit. And if you're a visiting fan, I mean, I went to Jet Dolphin games growing up because Miami was a, a two-hour flight from New York, and it was easy to get tickets to go see the Dolphins because even when they had Dan Marino, people didn't show up. It's yeah. just a, it's just an it's like Atlanta. It's one of those cities that, for whatever reason, they just have a very difficult time supporting their teams. And and I I, I mean, it, it's not a knock on the, on the Florida Panthers as it is a knock on the people who live there. This is a good team. This is a team that went yeah. out and, and won more games and more points than any other team in the NHL this year. And you can't mm-hmm. support them? That's sad. It's 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 really sad. So you don't think the Florida Panthers are going to win more than two games in this series? I think if they lose tomorrow, 
I, I don't know if they win two games in Tampa or if they win a game in Tampa to send it back to, to, to Sunrise. Okay. If the Tampa Bay Lightning roll over the Florida Panthers in five or six games, does that change? And, and you don't share the same opinion as other people do on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but if Tampa absolutely steamrolls through Florida, does that change your opinion on the Leafs' first round matchup? Well, I think I think we, you and I, have similar opinions on on mm-hmm. Toronto. That if they were if they were able to get through that first round series, I think they were yep. going all the way to the to the Cup final. I don't know if they would have won it. I would have had to wait to see who they got, but I I think they they had a real chance to go through. I think they are or they were the second best team in in the East right now in the playoffs. I mean, they were. I, I don't want to say unlucky because, you, you, you know, I think you create your own luck. But they give Tampa everything they can handle. There were large yep. parts of that series where they looked like the better team than the Lightning. I think it says a lot, and, and it's obviously no consolation prize. You don't get a mini Stanley Cup for being a team that took the Tampa Bay Lightning to seven games. But I think yep. it gives the fans in, in Toronto something to say, hey, you know what? We were a lot better than people thought. We gave this team everything they can handle. And yeah, do you, I do you think that worldview actually changes though? No, no, I don't. I I think because there's so many people who who kind of enjoy watching Toronto lose. I, yeah. I I think there's there's that group of people out there who, whether in the media or in the, in the fan world, who think it's hysterical that Toronto struggles and you know they they, they don't win playoff series no matter who's who's playing for them. Um, you know, I, I read something today that Brian Leach was on the team the last time the Toronto Maple Leafs won a first-round series. <laughs> Brian Leach raised the Stanley Cup with the Rangers in 1994. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, 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 I, I don't know what year Brian Leach retired, but I know that the Maple Leafs have not won a first-round series with, with this current crop of players. So it had to be a really long time ago that Brian Leach was there. Um, so, so, But I, I think... People who look at things objectively, I think it absolutely would change their perspective on the Maple Leafs and say, hey, you know what? This team deserves a lot more credit than they've gotten because this is they, they were a really good team and they gave Tampa everything they could handle. So as much as I, after, after last night, as much as I want to go to your line of thinking, I think Florida is going to make a series of it. They made a series of it last year. They were that close. It didn't work out. I just don't believe that the Florida Panthers are going to go completely uh, quietly. So I think that there's still going to be a series there. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that I'm willing to give up on the Florida Panthers, but we'll see what comes about in game number two. Uh, the other game, or the other series, Colorado and St. Louis. Uh, Jordan Bennington, an all elite performance last night from Jordan Bennington. Colorado Avalanche dominated overtime 13 to nothing were the shots on goal in overtime. Um, but even with that skewed number of shot shots for versus shots against all of the scoring chances that Colorado had, they had to work really hard for three goals. I think this is still going to be a pretty long series. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a lot higher on St. Louis than I am on Florida. I, I thought the, that St. Louis would, would win this series. So I'm certainly not going to back off that now. But um, I, I will say this about Biddington. He came in in the Minnesota series, and he played really good. He was really, really good last night. I think a bit unfortunate that, that Colorado scored that goal when they did because I, I have to think if Jordan Biddington does not fall down, I don't mm-hmm. know if Colorado, if Josh Manson doesn't score that goal. Um, yeah. 
he he's playing like a guy who you know it, it's always funny. There, there's two ways Jordan Bennington could have could have handled this. He could have mm-hmm. pouted and been upset that he lost his job to Billy Huso, or he could have gone out and done what he's done in the games that he's played since coming in for Billy Huso. Jordan Bennington is playing like a guy who wants his job, who wants to be the number one goalie for the St. Louis Blues, and he's playing like a guy who wants to win that Stanley Cup again. Um, you, you know, the question is, can St. Louis find a way to put more than 25 shots on, on goal? And they certainly have to find a way to put something on net in overtime because to go the, the what you know, to, to, to be outshot 13 to nothing in overtime, it's, it's not, you're obviously not going to win a game like that. You have to find scoring chances. They did not do that very much last night. I thought Jordan Cairo had a good game um, for mm-hmm. St. Louis. And, and you mentioned Ryan O'Reilly. He's a really, da- yep. he's a damn good player. And this seems like it's his time of year. Um, mm-hmm. I think St. Louis makes it, makes a series of it. I would not be shocked if St. Louis, even if they lose tomorrow, but it's a close mm-hmm. game like it was last night. I think they still have a chance, even if they go down two games to none. What's funny is you said it's his time of year. I think that it's Jordan Binnington's time of year. You like, could be right on that too. Jordan Binnington, Jordan Binnington, when fighting for the job, has been phenomenal. It was the reason why the St. Louis Blues ended up winning a Stanley Cup. And then I think things get a little bit comfortable. You start to to relish the idea, and and, and you fall into some of the trappings that, that you're not quite as hungry as you were when you were trying to win that job. And then all of a sudden, the job's taken away. And you've got to fight and claw and scratch your way back to the top of the mountain. And now he's back. I think Jordan Biddington's going to be a big story here yet the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that's saying something for me because I'm not generally a Jordan Biddington guy. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But that was, was certainly the better of the two series yesterday in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now let's take a look at some teams that have been eliminated from playoff contention that that I wanted to spend a little bit of time with. And you know the first one to me is the Nashville Predators. And mainly because I I I don't quite know what to make of Nashville. Right? Like I classify the Predators in the same way that I classify the Dallas Stars, especially now after Jake Ottinger had his breakthrough performance in the first round. As long as you've got UC Soros, I think you can make the playoffs. But that's about it. Like, I don't look at the Nashville Predators as being a team that's going to go on a deep run at all because I don't know if you can count on the repeat performances you got this year of Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne. Yeah, and, and certainly I, I, I agree with you on UC Soros. He's a guy who's obviously one of the elite goalies in the NHL right now. Um, you know, but but for, for Nashville, a big, big hole could be uh, opening up in their lineup is, I mean, if you remember, if you, if you watch that last game against Colorado, Philip Forsberg, it, it was almost like he took a goodbye lap uh, at the Bridgestone Arena. So if they don't bring Philip Forsberg back, where do they make up 42 goals? Because I don't know. I mean, that we're, we're, we're not talking like a guy who chipped in 10, 15 goals. We're talking about a guy who scored 42 goals and had 84 points. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to be back. I, I, I have to think at 27 years old, I think he'll be 28 when free agency starts. But mm-hmm. I think he's a guy there is going to be a massive market for because he's a really good player. Um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. Now, I, I do find it a bit interesting that Forsberg did have the 42 goals in a contract season. So, 
Sure. You know, may, maybe if if I'm a team, I'm I'm using that as leverage, saying, hey, you know, the year before you, you you only had 12, and the year before that you had 21, and he's a guy who hasn't played a full 82 games since mm-hmm. before the Golden Knights were a franchise. So maybe maybe some questions there, but. I think if Nashville is unable to sign Philip Forsberg, that is going to be a massive, massive hole. I don't see them as a playoff team without Philip Forsberg. The question is, should they try to be a playoff team? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think should that's they? A, should they? Because well, I don't, I, I don't see it. What, what do you? So, so are you suggesting that they blow it up and just start over? They've needed to do that for three years now. So maybe, maybe that's the direction They've David Poyle goes. It. Yeah, I, I mean, because I, I, I don't, I, I, I don't could, look at that team and say, "Oh, they're close," because they're not. Even with Philip Forsberg, they're not close. No, I, I think that you, you are hoping to get in and catch a, a favorable matchup in round one, and go on a run. Like that's it. You, you're not expecting to be a contender. You're hoping to be a contender. And I, I, I would rather retool, find a way to get better, so that when you get to the playoffs, you actually have a legitimate chance to do something, you get bounced in a sweep in the first round. Whether or not it's Colorado, doesn't really matter. Yeah, That's embarrassing. And right. it gives you an idea. Even though you got there, you weren't that close. I mean, You this, weren't that close. Yeah, they, they really weren't. They, they were, they were mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. If the Golden Knights aren't injured, the National Predators probably don't make the playoffs. Um, so... You know, it, 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 it's an interesting situation because I, I feel like maybe there's some credence to what you're saying. Just mm-hmm. just maybe yeah, not I, maybe not blow it up, but you've got to find a way to get better because being like, like it's crazy how short the window is in the NHL because this is a franchise just a couple of years ago. They were in the finals and I understand it. it yeah. You know, a lot changes in five years, six years, but they were right there. And they lost in the Western Conference semifinals. They lost to Winnipeg in a Game Seven, the year after that. So, mm-hmm. it, it since then though, they, they, they've they've declined, and now their windows the window's closed. closed. Yeah, they have no window yeah, anymore. The window's it, closed. So yeah, maybe maybe there's something to it. Don't sign Forsberg, and you know find find other ways to spend that money and get better because. They've got cap space. They don't really lose a whole lot other than Forsberg coming off the books. I mean, Nick Cousins, I don't really think they're, they're going to lose too much sleep over that one. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's an interesting spot for for David Poyle because he's he's proven time and time again he's one of the best general managers in the NHL. I I have faith that mm-hmm. Poyle can can turn this around, and I just think it's going to take time. And the, the, the people in Nashville, the fans in Nashville, they just got to have some patience. You got to pick a direction. You're yeah. either going to buy a bunch of free agents and try to turn this team that way, or you're going to take a breath and figure out how you can become a contender. Because right now they're middling, and I think the worst thing in the world is to be middling. You have to either be really good or really bad with the intention of building into something that's really good. Because there's no benefit, in my opinion, of being 16 or 17 or 15 or 16, because you're not going to get you're not going to draft high enough to to create any meaningful change there and you're just going to delude yourself into believing that you're actually going to be competitive come playoff time. I think getting swept should be an eye opener for the Nashville Predators that they believe they're on the right track but they're really really far away and it's best to find a way to be contenders when you get back there instead of just continuing to uh, continuing to hope 
that you can do something once you get into yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, they, they, shift they have a decision to make at coach, too, because uh, John Hines' contract yep. expires at the end of, well, it's, you know, the end of the 21-22 season. So uh, he, he is a guy who is now not under contract. So do they move a different direction in that regard? I don't know. I, I think John Hines is a good coach, but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. Let's shift over to the Washington Capitals. Um, I think the biggest question for me when it comes to the Capitals, uh, outside of goaltending, and that's going to be the big one, is Nick Backstrom and whether or not he's going to be healthy and healthy enough to play. I guess at a high level, right? Like the hip issues have been dealing, has been playing plaguing Backstrom for a while. Uh, rehab. Clearly he was hampered. Like, I think it's pretty clear to say that he just wasn't himself this year. If another surgery is needed, is Nick Backstrom going to be able to provide the Washington Capitals what he needs to in order for this team to compete? I don't know. Well, they better hope so because they're paying him over $9 million a year. Um, so you, you certainly don't want a half-healthy Nick Backstrom. You know, th- this is a team that, I, I I find interesting because three of their four highest paid players, I'm sorry, I take that, four of their five highest paid players are all on the wrong side of 30. Uh, John Carlson, yeah. TJ Oshie, Nick Backstrom, Alex Ovechkin, and Kuznetsov is 29. So that's a, that's a huge chunk of your team that is mm-hmm. at that point where their careers are probably going to start to wind down a little bit. They're they're not in their prime anymore. Um, obviously, Ovechkin is a guy who who I think he'll be able to do it until he's forty if he wants to. Um, so I I don't worry too much about him. But it's the other guy. He's a TJ Oshie. He looked like he slowed down a bit this year. Um, he he was okay for them in the playoffs, but he's not the guy who's going out there scoring shootout goals for Team USA anymore either. Um, Obviously, goalie is, is is a position that that is a, a huge question mark for them because I I'm not a big fan of Samsonov. Um, mm-hmm. They Phoenix Copley, meh, he he's a free agent, but none of their goalies it's are under Samsonoff contract. Samsonov and Vanacek, yeah, like, yeah, but but those, none of them those are, are your goalies. They're both RFA, so th- you you assume they'll both sure. be resigned. But well, if you're Washington, do you do you sure have faith? And and I wonder. Much like Nashville, where I said if Vegas was healthy, if the Islanders mm-hmm. don't start with that horrific road trip to start the season and things go well for them and, and they have a normal schedule, is Washington even in the playoffs? No. So here's here's the thing. Um, because I, like I think goaltending needs to be addressed for sure. I, I, I believe that that was on their radar come trade deadline. The question becomes what you view the Washington Capitals as, right? If you view this team through the lens of if everything goes right, we can win another Stanley Cup, then you go out, you try to find a goaltender, you, you try to retool as best you can in, in, in you know around certain players, and you hope that you get another career year out of Alex Ovechkin, right? Like you hope that you get the this version of Alex Ovechkin next year, and maybe, just maybe, you can win a couple of rounds in the playoffs. But I think what's more than likely going to happen and where we're at with the Washington Capitals right now is they are going to regress. It is just simply going to happen. There will be a day 
where the only thing that matters to the Washington Capitals, their fans, and everybody around hockey is whether or not Gretzky's record gets broken by Ovechkin. And I feel like we're getting there closer, or we're getting we're getting closer and closer to that a bit sooner than maybe we anticipated. I don't think you ready for this hot take? I don't think the Washington Capitals make the playoffs next year. No, I don't I, I, I think I'm with you on that. And you almost wonder if they're if we're at the point now where maybe the only thing that should matter to them is Ovechkin breaking Gretzky's record. Because I I just look at this team and we talk about windows, it's gone. Like mm-hmm. it was it was there for a minute, they took advantage of it, it's gone. Like they haven't yeah. even been close since with the same group yeah. of guys who are regressing because of age. I mean, look at, like you said, it's just one of those things that happens. Guys get old, unfortunately. Your body breaks down. All that hockey that you play. This was a team that was in the playoffs every year, it seemed like, when when Ovechkin was, I mean, I don't want to say he's not in his prime because it seems like he's still he's still there, but when, when, when some of their other players were in their prime. So I'm with you. I don't think this is a team that, that is in the playoffs next year. I, I think this is a team that's going to have to find a way to rebuild and, you know they're they're going to have to mix these really young players that they bring in with with the vets that are on the roster and you know unfortunately for them they still have a couple more years of guys like uh, Oshie and and Backstrom on the books so if they're healthy or not they're stuck with them so for Washington you had a good run but I I, I think it's over I think it's done. Okay, so let's move on to the Boston Bruins because I think they're one of the more interesting teams going into the offseason specifically because of the uncertainty surrounding Patrice Bergeron. If Bergeron hangs him up after this season and does not come back, then in the in the span of two years, the Boston Bruins will have lost Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, and Tuka Rask. That is a massive organizational shift, not just in on-ice performance, but in leadership. So what what then becomes of the Boston Bruins if Patrice Bergeron hangs them up? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I will say this. I, I think Don Sweeney is, is a tremendous general manager. He seems to find guys who just seem to fit. But when you take away Patrice Bergeron, and I, I think we talked about it a little bit before he we went on the air, I can't imagine Patrice Bergeron saying to the Boston Bruins, I'm going to go play somewhere else. Like, I just can't no. see it happening. Like, he is a Boston Bruin through and through. Uh, it's a big hole. It, it, it's it's massive because he's your captain, but he's still highly productive. He does so many things for your franchise. I, I It's a big loss, but you know what? I, I think Boston, I just feel like they're a franchise who who seems to, to always get things right. I, I, I feel like, look, may, maybe it's not a good thing you lose Bergeron, but I think they'll be okay. What do you think of this? David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, that's that's kind of if Malkin's healthy, that's 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 scary because that's that's a team that you know or or a line that will will certainly produce, and you've got two pains in the asses to play against in Malkin and and Marchand, and then of course you have Pasternak who just seems to to be able to put the puck in the net. Uh, I, I I'll be honest. I I enjoy watching the Bruins play because I I like a lot of the players that they have. I feel like like mm-hmm. they're 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 kind of a fun team, and I kind of like 
I, I, I like Marshawn because he's a pain in the ass. But I, I, I like that idea, actually, because if Bergeron walks, you're going to have to bring in a guy to play first-line center. And mm-hmm. Malkin seems to fit the bill for, for a lot of what they want. And he he's, he's a tough, gritty guy. I, I feel like he would work well, and not only with the Bruins, but I feel like he's the kind of guy where, where the city would, would get behind him. Like, Boston is a, is a lunch pail, kind of blue-collar city. I understand there's a lot of colleges, but their fans are real grizzled. And, and, and so I feel like they would really embrace a guy like Evgeny Malkin because, well, he's, he's been a pain for, for a lot of teams in the East over the last decade or so. But, yeah, I think he fits good. Yeah, I, I think that if, if you're – if Patrice Bergeron hangs him up, the Boston Bruins are looking, searching desperately for a number one center. And the best on the uh, the best that's going to be hitting the the market, assuming the, a deal doesn't get done with the Penguins, would be Evgeny Malkin. I, I would I would think that that would be the main or most logical move for the Boston Bruins. But all this, of course, speculation as we do not know the future plans for Patrice Bergeron outside of winning a Selkie Trophy once again, as he is a finalist this year for that trophy. We are back with one-timers next on the VGK Insider Show. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. Look around the league. News and notes from the NHL. And we're starting with golden knights news uh tweeted out earlier today from danny webster the las vegas sun that golden knights captain mark stone will undergo back surgery tomorrow morning per a team spokesperson so i i guess the big thing here right is that this is good news if this is the fix right like you, you want to hope that Whatever ailment is is happening with Mark Stone and his back, this surgery alleviates it for just his quality of life, but that it also allows him to train and get back to being the Mark Stone we all know and expect to play, and that is an elite two-way player that is just phenomenally fun to watch. Yeah, back injuries are always tricky. Um, you know, we, we did hear Kelly McCrimmon say if he had the surgery, the time frame was for him to be uh, hopefully back by training camp. So, um, you know, I I just hope that if he does have it, like you said, it, it's successful and it fixes the problem and we can get back to seeing a fully healthy Mark Stone because I think more than anybody, Mark Stone wants that because Mark Stone loves playing the game and I hate to see him suffer. Like, it, it it's just a terrible thing because... When someone loves something as much as Mark Stone loves hockey, it's just awful to see that person have to deal with not being able to do something that they love. And, and you know, I, I root for Mark Stone. I like Mark Stone. And, and like you said, I hope this fixes the issue, and let's hope it does. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, healthy Mark Stone is the best chance for the Golden Knights to rebound next year. New coach, old coach, doesn't really matter. Mark Stone being healthy and ready to go from training camp is really what the Golden Knights need more than anything else. Chapman, are you excited for the Battle of Alberta? Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Maybe we'll get a goalie fight. Do you feel like we're setting ourselves up to be disappointed? Yes, I do. 
because no. I, 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 I hate to be that guy, but I'm, okay. it's always one of those things when you build something up so much, there's just no way it can ever live up to expectations. We've waited, what, 31 years for Calgary and Edmonton to play in the playoffs again. I was I was fairly young in the 80s when these two teams were, were going back and forth, so, and it was long before every game in the playoffs was on television, and obviously there was no package. So you really didn't get to watch a lot of it growing up on the East Coast, but I'm excited for it. And I think even if it doesn't live up to our expectations, I think the fact that these two teams are in the playoffs, again, playing each other mm-hmm. is great for the sport. Well, Daryl Sutter would agree with you there. He said it is like great for thing. the league. What a great guy. Here's here's, here's Daryl Sutter's uh, phenomenal quote about the Battle of Alberta. He says, quote, What brings our province together always? Number one, sports. Number two, church. Number three, music. Think about it. So what's this doing to Alberta right now? It's bringing people together. They might cheer for the Oilers. They might cheer for the Flames. Big deal. It's a sport it's what it's about. It's the best thing ever. Daryl Sutter, like, to me, that's such a cool quote because he's talking about something bigger than hockey, obviously, right? Like, we all recognize that the last two years have been very, very difficult. There's, It is an imperfect world that we live in. But true to what sports are supposed to be, an escape, whatever that means to you individually... Daryl's leaning into the Battle of Alberta is important for the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. It's important in the context of trying to win a Stanley Cup. But it's important for everyone that's going to get what is intended with sports. And that is hopefully seven games, three hours apiece of just unbridled fun. Well, I'll disagree with him on one thing he said. I don't know a whole lot about the music scene in Alberta. What, what I what I do know is Nickelback are from Alberta, so I will disagree. You can't blame them for Nickelback. Come I will on. absolutely blame the province for Nickelback. But other than that, Ugh. yeah, he he's right. Uh, you know, it, it, it's obviously very big for hockey. It's obviously much much bigger for the people of Alberta. One of my good friends is, is from not too far from Edmonton, so. I know he's super, super excited. I got a good friend from Calgary who, unfortunately, is a Canadians fan. But he's excited. He's like, man, I, this hasn't happened since I was a kid. So for, for, for the province, it's huge. You get bragging rights. It, it It's not as good as winning the Stanley Cup. But if you're able to knock out the other, given that they haven't played each other in 31 years in the playoffs, you've got bragging rights maybe for a long, long time. So Daryl Sutter, like that was a really interesting quote, but here's one that got me thinking about something else. Daryl Sutter said, the NHL, what more could you ask for? You go from 32 to 16 now to eight. What more could you ask for? You've got two teams in Florida. You got the two teams in Alberta. You got the last two to win the Stanley Cup in Tampa and St. Louis. You got the president's trophy champion for the regular season. You've got the conference champion from our side still in it. It's perfect. It's great for the league. It's great for Alberta. Now, here's the thing that got me thinking. Are we too difficult? Are we too hard on the NHL's playoff format? More specifically, am I too hard on the NHL's playoff format? Because you look at the first round. And though there were lopsided games, and though it was unfair for the Leafs to have to play the Tampa Bay Lightning, 
And you can go on and on and on for all the things that were unfair about the way that the format set up. We got five game sevens in two days, all of which, with the exception of the Edmonton Oilers, were either were one goal games, two of which went to overtime. Like it was a very, very well played, entertaining first round, and it set up four really intriguing series that could be very good here in the second round. So, do we give the playoff format? A bad rap? I think the purists do. Yeah, I, I I think there there is something to it. But I think for the for the general fan, the new fan, I think it's a good thing for the sport. I I like the playoff format. I understand maybe there's some goofiness occasionally, like we could have had a situation where the Golden Knights would have played the the Colorado Avalanche and either Dallas or Nashville would have played Calgary in the first round. I I understand that that happens, but I like the idea of setting up mat, right, right, matchups to build rivalries. Look, if this team had not played, the, if the Golden Knights, I mean, had not played the San Jose Sharks in back-to-back years, would, would, would this fan base hate San Jose as much as they do? Would the Sharks have taken as much pleasure in, in winning that shootout game here at T-Mobile as they did if you didn't have those two playoff series those first two seasons? I like the format. I like the idea of building rivalry. I'm a, I'm a big college sports fan. And there's nothing better for me as a UNLV alum than, than watching UNLV beat Reno in other sports. There was a time they weren't in the same conference, and they only played once a year in basketball, once a year in football. Obviously, they only play once a year in football now, but you know what I'm saying. So so having that rivalry with a team that you just despise, I think it's good when there's a chance they could play in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm there yet. Like, I, I've been thinking about this and thinking about this and thinking about this. I don't know that I particularly like the current playoff format. I feel like it could be better. I don't know how. Well, I, I mean, if I we're, we're going to be honest, I, I would love for them to go back to seeding teams 1 through 16 and just do it that way, <laughs> where, where maybe we'll get an Islanders and Flyers Stanley Cup final. No, I, I don't want to see that, but... Uh, you, you know, I'm sure you could always tweak things to make them better, but as so, it is, so I, my, I like my, it. Here's, here's my issue. My biggest gripe with it is this. I don't like the idea, if you're going to set up divisional matchups, right? Like, if you're going to set up your playoff structure as a divisional structure, then the top four teams in each division make the playoffs, period. I like that. I, I don't. I don't like the wild card. I guess that's my biggest pet peeve because you can have teams from other divisions enter into a cross-divisional bracket and their run-through is easier. And and like I get that you want to be fair to the, the two next best teams in the conference. I get all that. But sometimes those are the breaks. Sometimes it just doesn't work out for you. Sometimes you're a, a five seed in the Central and you're better than all four teams in the Pacific, but you're not changing anything. You're not kicking out three teams from the Pacific or whatever. My point is, if you're going to do divisional, keep it strictly divisional. That's all. Because I don't like the crossover of wild card into uh, the, the, the opposite division. I, I just don't think that that makes any sense. I'm fine with that. I, I, I'm on board with that. Last thing here before we uh, we, we get out of here, uh, Adam Vingan with The Athletic is reporting that he's heard the Nashville Predators have signed John Hines to a new multi-year contract. So, Chapman, you talked about it earlier, the 
contract was set to expire. It appears that there is a extension in place for John Hines to continue to coach the Nashville Predators. Those are your one-timers for today, Wednesday, May 18th. Brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. We're back to wrap it up next. Catching up with Chapman. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right. Well, uh, something cool kind of happened today. Obviously, I'm a big soccer fan, but uh, there was the Europa League, which is kind of a secondary competition in Europe, but it was won by Eintracht Frankfurt in penalty kicks. First time. So by winning this, they get to participate in the Champions League next season, which is like the big European competition. It's the first time in 62 years that Eintracht Frankfurt will be a participant in the Champions League, which is kind of kind of a big deal for, for a team to, to participate. It's like a prestigious thing. But 62 years, it's the longest stretch any team has gone where they made it and haven't made it. So uh, it was it was a good game, and they won a penalty kicks. They beat a team from Glasgow, Scotland, a place that you and I both want to go, Scotland. So uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll end with that. But uh, I know you're off tomorrow, so I hope you enjoy the day. And... Uh, good reason so i i just hope you guys have a great day <laughs> yeah um my 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 daughter is turning 12 so uh that'll be fun I, I can't wait to spend the day with her and i've got one more year before she's officially a teenager even if she acts like a teenager already i love you charlotte i will be back with you on friday darren millard will be in tomorrow right here on the bgk insider show 